Hi, my friends. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Recipes for Survival, Mindful Meals, and Sustainable Living. Today, after, don't ask me how long, up oh, there's the tea kettle. Um, I'm actually going to read the story and preface to my autobiography. One moment, please. Yep. I did that purposely. So do I have your attention for the new episode of Recipes for Survival? I am going to read the preface to my audiobook, Recipes for Survival, Making It on Your Own. And this is the preface about the impetus and how Recipes for Survival came to be. And I thought that would be a nice thing to share since we're so far down the road. So many of you, my friends, joined my tribe way down the line. So I think it'd be nice to share how um, the foundation of recipes for survival with you. And this piece is called Toast and Tea Away from Home. And I always capitalize O-M when I can. The polo fields of Golden Gate Park really showed the signs of serious wear and tear as the first North American WOMAD festival, Peter Gabriel's world of music, art, and dance, finished up and moved out of town. The road boxes were slammed and clipped shut. Then they were pushed down ramps. They really made quite a racket on, on their way to being rolled onto lift gates, then packed into the back of a semi-trailer where the back door lock is dropped into place. And then the driver takes his seat behind the wheel and the semi-cab door closes with a deep thud. As a few of us weary warriors piled into a 15-passenger van with book bags slung across our shoulders and the accountant with his Halliburton briefcase. My newest bestie on the tour and I moved our bags and a few road collectibles from the hotel the next morning to my friend's place in the Oakland Hills, where we would be perfectly situated to get some much-needed rest and relaxation before returning our respective homes on opposite sides of the globe. Running on some... Running on some residual steam from the tour, the WOMAD tour, the first of its kind in North America, is probably one of the largest entourages to ever hit the road with over 250 people, 50 or more of which did not speak English, with 23 or more buses, multiple stages and workshops. It was really one of the first festivals in, in, that came to America, North America. Um, my friend and I were given the keys to their Toyota, instructions and directions to ensure that we'd get to the Indian Springs Spa in Calistoga for the day, driving up through the Napa Valley via the Silverado Trail so that my new Australian friend, Deb, could see a bit of our wine country since she is from Adelaide, just north of the McLaren Vale wine region. It was a gorgeous picturesque morning, the sky a Mayan royal blue with a random cumulus meringue cloud here and there. The landscape showed off as best it could by being its absolute perfect natural self after a summer of perfect weather. Mylar streamers flapped on the gnarly grapevines in deliberate rows following the foothills of the Silverado Trail. 
the idea of wine tasting was certainly alluring, but we were so burnt out from the tour. Getting to that spa was all that was on our dance card and in the beacon of our minds. Swaddled in oversized terry cloth robes, we were led around by the hand the better part of the day as we gently shuffled from various treatment rooms where we had full body massages before soaking in the tubs of famous volcanic ash mud baths, really warm rain showers, and a bath steam and swims in the mineral rich pool. Lounging around the side of the pool, we refreshed ourselves with glasses of citrus, cucumber and mint water, which was about all we could keep down or I wished to ingest at this point. After brainstorming the better part of the following day about our personal projects, we drove Deb to the airport for her return down under. And the next thing that I remember is waking to a growling stomach not long before dawn would break. I laid awake, face down, staked out in the middle of my friend's living room in a makeshift bed made up for me countless times in the past from a remnant piece of soundproofing foam, a contour sheet over that, and a sleeping bag as a comforter since the zipper had been broken. It was a Monday morning. The day's schedule was being sorted out in hushed whispers that drifted through the house from the kitchen, which in time grew loud enough to be at the decibel of a regular conversation. Since I played a part in why my friend's routine is going askew, I accepted my signal to concede and rose to the occasion, so to speak. I emerged from my warm cocoon to get my marching orders since I would be the keeper of the keys. I learned how to lock up and alarm the house faster than nobody's business. Got it. 6.30 tonight, I'll be at the office. With their briefcases and book bags readied, my friends were out the door. I walked like a sun-soaked hermit crab back to my safe haven in the living room. It was on this morning in San Francisco that I had a mighty and significant realization. My aha moment, if you will. When you're on the road, your every whim is catered to round the clock. Catering being the operative word. The food part of being catered to. What struck me this morning as I savored two scavenged slices of whole wheat toast topped with organic spun honey and a steaming cup of tea on my friend's sun deck on a crystal clear fall morning in the Oakland Hills was that the energy or the life force that one brings to or transfers to food prepared for oneself is so vital in one's holistic makeup energy, direction, and focus are missing when you don't prepare food for yourself. One can become sloth-like eating only prepared food. I've experienced it. And I know that friends say that even when I prepare food for them, they really taste the love and the focus and attention that I bring when I prepare food. And I know I can teach and share that with my friends whoever wishes to join me in some cooking lessons. And with that, I'll carry on about this beautiful morning in San Francisco. I hope you'll stay with me. Maybe there'll be a word from a sponsor following this. I hope you'll come back to listen to the rest of the story of Toast and Tea Away From Home. Hi, my friends. Thanks for joining me again for the next part of my story and the aha moment of how recipes for survival came to be. Let's call this part two. 
And I'll begin with, so once the coast was clear, meaning my friends had gone off to work and my hunger pains had gotten the better of me, I made a beeline to the kitchen. It was a glistening fall morning. Tiny rainbows ricocheted onto surfaces you would never expect to find a rainbow on, thanks to numerous crystal objects hanging in a huge picture window. Sure, I could get into making an eggs and potato something, but it was the furthest thing from my mind. A bowl of cereal is a simple excuse for sustenance when you're as burnt out and starving as I am, but no way. As I was coming to, so to speak, I remembered that special treat that awaits me here, my San Francisco treat. I wanted one thing and one thing only, toast with organic spun honey coupled with a steaming cup of English breakfast tea. It's funny, toast is the first thing I think of having when I sleep over a friend's house, but never once did it cross my mind when I was on the road faced with rows of steaming chafing dishes of potatoes, eggs, and hot cereals. I've always ignored breakfast meats. First things first, I emptied and filled the kettle with cold water and got that on the back burner. Next, I was headlong into the fridge looking for, oh, that leavened loaf. Um, you'd think the toast I'd be driven to write about would be a high quality raisin nut loaf or sourdough, being that I was in San Francisco. But no, the toast I'm on about here and have perfect sense memory for happens to be two leftover heels of an Arnold's whole wheat sandwich loaf. I found the bread squished and wound up in the plastic wrap that once sheltered the whole loaf on the bottom shelf atop the vegetable crispers along the interior wall of the refrigerator. I must have looked a bit like Charlie Bucket of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when he peeled back the candy wrapper the candy bar wrapping only to find the hidden golden ticket. Similarly, I unraveled this rolled up mess of plastic wrap to joyfully find two heels of neglected of a neglected loaf. My findings were a bit stale on the edges, but I couldn't have been happier to find them. I plugged the toaster in and sponged away the crumbs left behind by my friends rushed in routine morning. I checked the adjustment for the toastness I desired. Irregardless of how exhausted I was that morning, I noticed that once the water was boiling, a clarity and sense of calmness came over me. It's in between the okra and the sepia tone, not the chestnut color that I desired for my toast. My friend's husband likes his toast on the darker side. I'll have to remember to put the gauge back to where it was before my adjustment. I placed my precious find into the toaster, lever down. Now, with a bit more energy in my step, I was ready to tackle the walk-in pantry closet to hunt down some tea. Fumbling through boxes of every imaginable kind of tea under the sun, they sit on a shelf piled on top of, next to, and cantilevered off of one another, not unlike a child's tower of building blocks. Not a virgin box of tea in the place. Thank you for joining me for part three of the story, Toast and Tea Away from Home and my aha moment and how recipes for survival came to be. Not a virgin box of tea in the place. Every box has been opened. 
The thick wax paper that lines the majority of these boxes is crumpled so that the tops of these boxes will never close properly again. All these choices and all I wanted to get my hands on was that red box of English breakfast tea. The pop, my toast is done. Ah, that warm, comforting, sweet smell. Just this little waft filled my lungs with a hint of that overwhelming, delightful smell when a homemade loaf of bread is lifted from an oven. I'm living large this morning. I'm going to have my toast on a plate and, indul and indulge in a variety of toppings. Since I had so many options with which to top my toast, I cut the two heels in half. <clears throat> I dressed the first quarter slice with a very with very soft organic butter it had been left out all morning on top of this comes the topping of all toppings my san francisco treat raw spun honey the fact that i have access to as huge a jar as this as huge a jar of this as i do could get downright dangerous for my second slice of toast, I did not bastardize, I did not bastardize or deter from the swabbing of spun honey with anything. Dry toast and spun honey. The next slice I made up with the room warmed organic butter and a dusting of cinnamon and a little squinch of raw sugar. Last but not least, the funkiest curled up brown piece of naked toast I delicately slathered with a thin layer of softened butter, some spun honey, and a sprinkling of cinnamon, and then a streak of peanut butter right through that. Picking out a mug is similar to what it takes to get at a tea bag in this house. The mug cabinet is chock full of various drinking vessels in an array of materials, shapes, and sizes. I'm extremely partial to a mug I've been drinking out of since these friends of mine lived in the New York City area. I'm extremely partial to a mug I've been drinking out of since these friends of mine lived in New York. I'm extremely partial to a mug I've been drinking out of since these friends of mine lived in New York City. The mug or the vessel that I used is this weighty hand-thrown model without a handle glazed with heavy strokes of speckled brown and blue. Glaze. The mug or vessel that I use is your weighty hand-thrown model without a handle glazed with brush strokes of speckled brown and blue. Looking something like an abstract Rothko, I took my plate of toast slices out to the sun deck on that crystalline Saturday morning. Wrapped in a blanket, I settled into a big bamboo bowl-shaped chair, sitting cross-legged with my sunglasses on, nothing to read, and only the clouds to capture my attention. My steaming mug of English breakfast tea with just the right touch of milk sits arm's distance away, just to my right on the sun deck. A bit of condensation had formed under the pieces of toast, but I couldn't care less. This breakfast tasted more delicious to me than anything I could remember. I savored each of these toast slices, biting from one slice, biting first from slice one and then three, and then the second slice alone, 
and a sip of tea. And this went on for quite some time, as you can well imagine. Sure, I could have had toast with honey and tea on the road, but no toast would have ever tasted like this toast. It's that energy and life force that you bring to the preparation of food that makes the food taste so completely different from food that's prepared and served to you. From leftover neglected scraps, with a little love and attention, I had myself a delightful delicacy. This is what Recipes for Survival is all about. Cheers. There's another toast for you. Fini.